0: All right, check this out. One day, this uh, 80-year-old woman, she was, uh, she was arrested for shoplifting. Yeah, that's not a good thing, right? And, uh, and, and, of course, she goes to court, right? She gets caught. She goes to court. She goes before the judge. And the judge says, all right, ma'am, what'd you steal, right? And, and the 80-year-old lady, she says, well, I, 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 I took a can of peaches, right? So the judge, he asks, he says, well, wh- why? Why'd you do that for? And she says, listen, judge, I stole the can of peaches because I, I, I was hungry. I needed something to eat. And so the, the judge, he then asked her, well, well, how many peaches were in that can? And, and the, the old lady, she said, well, that, there were six. And so the judge says, all right, I'll give you six days in jail. Well, well, hey, listen, that's, that's not the end of the job. Hang on. <laughs> no, so goes, I'll give you six days in jail, right? Well, before the judge could finish, listen, obviously, her husband, he, he, he spoke up and said, hey, 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 wait a second, judge. Judge, judge, can I say something? And the judge says, well, what is it? And the husband said, she also stole a can of peas. Yikes! No way! Hey, that's better than what Bill said with Diane. He said she stole a bag of rice. (laughs) Fifty-pound bag? No, just kidding. Uh, But anyway, hey, uh, how many guys would say? I know it's early in the morning, but how many guys would say that that couple's relationship mm, wasn't a very good one? You know what I'm saying? And what was the indicator? What gave it away? The can of peas. How I mean, you're in there, right? She's in jail for a long time, I'll tell you what. And believe it or not, folks, unfortunately, uh, did you know they're not the only ones having a problem in the relationship, okay? Can you guess who else is? It's us, the church, in our relationship with God. And you know what's giving it away? Not a can of peas. It's basically us acting like a can of practical atheists. <laughs> what are we doing? We say we believe in God, right? But half the time with our lips and our lives, we're giving a different impression. We're acting like God's not even there. Okay? It's like a spiritual jail. Okay? And there is a penalty for that. It doesn't just affect our walk with God. What's it do? People are watching us, folks, just like a courtroom. It keeps them from believing in God. Mm. It's like a double no-no. Okay? And so to avoid this irony of you and I as Christians living like these practical atheists by not knowing who God is, we're going to continue again in our study on the character of God. Now, we've already seen the first thing we need to know about God. He's what? He's real. We're here for a real reason. Praise God. This is not a make-believe Uh, hope it's true thing okay the second thing the great news is Jesus died on the cross for what a new religion no a personal loving intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. is absolutely mind-blowing. The third thing, God's what? He is wise. He knows it all. He knows everything. Why would you go anywhere else uh, when you need advice? Okay, the fourth thing, God is sovereign. He not only controls all things, if you love him, amen, he will work all things together for good. A wonderful promise. In fact, then he tops it off with the fifth fact, he's powerful. God can save anybody he wants. He can fix any problem he wants. He can supply any need he wants. I mean, there is always hope. Okay, just hold on to that. Uh, and God's on the throne. He's always on the throne. In fact, speaking of his throne, what we see, the sixth thing is God's what? On that throne. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. That was wild. We dealt with that first because finally you get to this one. We're on now the last five times. The seventh thing about God, he is love. God's not loving. He's not lovable. God is love itself. It's such an amazing attribute of God. They all are important and they're all amazing. But this one, if you will, is kind of, I keep using the visual like a diamond. It's multifaceted. It's one truth. God is love. But just like a diamond, it's got many facets. And and when you take a look at each facet, it just, wow, shows you how precious this wonderful thing, the fact that God is love, really is. Now, we've already seen uh, the facets of God is love by uh, demonstrating that, by giving us mercy and compassion and kindness and graciousness. And last time, if you were here, by giving us patience. Wasn't that wow? Well, I mean, that was convicting, comforting all at the same time. Okay, uh, at least for me. And we saw out of patience. Listen, God not only puts up with our sins until we get saved. He doesn't condone them, but He's patient, right? He's not willing to any should perish. He puts up with our sins not only until we get saved. Listen, let's be honest, right? He puts up with our sins even after we're saved. How many guys after you got saved as being a Christian? How many guys have sinned after you got saved? Raise your hand. Wow. You know, those who didn't raise your hand, again, you just sinned. You lied, okay, because give me a break, right? So God puts up with it. He's not condoning it, but he puts up with it, okay? And then we saw the scripture of this behavior, uh, even though God's forgiveness us completely of this sin, he's given us power, we don't have to say uh, yes to sin. We have the ability to truly stay away from it. What do we do? The scripture, remember that, uses some seriously graphic language there. It's like going back to a pile of puke. It's like going back to a rotting corpse. You're choosing a pile of puke. Dog doo-doo over Jesus, a, a casket. It's like, whoa, serious, serious language. And that was wrapped up in the slavery, the idolatry, and the harlotry. And yet, even after every day going back to that pile, going back to that dead body, going back to that casket, God's still there saying, hey, listen, will you come to me now? Can we have a relationship? Wow, isn't that amazing? Okay, that's just his patience. That's just that one facet. Of his love. Let's take a look at another one the sixth way that God reveals that he is love itself is he gives us faithfulness Oh, is he faithful man? Is he faithful and I hope this is nothing that ever gets old and you take for granted Christian Okay, let's take a look at that open your Bibles to first John chapter 1 First John chapter 1. Okay, let's take a look at that text there If you find the book of John, what do you do? Hang a pretty good right. That's the gospels. We're towards the back end, right? Uh, find revelation the last book and take a look there and uh, first john let's take a look at what he has to say chapter one okay chapter one of course and let's take a look at what he has to share with you and i there as we took take a look there get there myself there we go and first john let's go ahead and stand as we read god's word first john chapter one verses five through ten it's going to tell us about god okay and uh, let's take a look at what he has to say now he's here's what he says this is the message we have heard from him okay and declare to you God is what he is light and so therefore in him there is what there's no darkness at all right okay continues on now if we claim we have fellowship with him yet we walk in the darkness guess what God doesn't change we lie you're a liar and you don't live by the truth But if you walk in the light as he, God is in the light because he is the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, what purifies us from how many sins? All of them. In fact, that's the good news. But listen to this. If you also sit there and you say you claim you don't have sin, even though the Bible says all of sin, okay, then you what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay. But if you would just do this, if you would confess your sins, he, God is, what's the word? He's faithful and just, and he will, not maybe, not might. He will forgive us of our sins and purifies from how much unrighteousness? All of it, okay? But if you sit there and say, oh, no, I, I've never sinned, right? Well, we make him, God, out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. You may be seated. Okay, but here we see in just one text here, we basically got some good news and we got some bad news, if you will. And the bad news says if you're one of those people, you say you're a Christian, but you continue to walk in darkness, i.e., sin, and act like it's no big deal, no conviction, what? Hey, who cares? What? What's the Bible say? You're a liar. You're a liar. You sit there and, oh, I got a great walk with Jesus. He so, I love him so much, but you walk in sin, could give a rip about sin. Mmm, <sighs> that's not a good sign, okay? Uh, he says, you're a liar. You might very well be one of those people that the Bible does talk about, a counterfeit Christian, right? Jesus talks about this in Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, hey, didn't we do this and do that? They're not trusting him. They're trusting their own works, even religious works. What's he say? Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you, okay? You can't lose your salvation, but there are a lot of people who profess Christ, but they don't really know Christ, right? But God sees right through that thing. So that's, that's bad news number one, and hopefully that's not what a person even here today is doing but all that says if you also go to the other extreme and then you flat out say you have never sinned at all how many times have you ever run into somebody like that right and when you're out there witness be oh i'm not a bad person what'd you just say with that statement i haven't sinned what and then what's the scripture say i mean, what's god gonna do you you're not only a liar but now you're calling what god a liar okay now how many guys would say that sometimes saturday afternoons you hit that two o'clock mark and it gets kind of boring you know, it just hits you, right? You say, man, what are you going to do now, right? Okay? How many you guys would say that at that time, that's probably not a good time to call God a liar? Yeah. Hey, if you're born on a Saturday afternoon, pick something else, right? Uh, go build that shed we talked about last week. Uh, go get lost in aisle 13 of Walmart, but don't call God a liar, okay? That's not a good thing to do. Don't call God a liar, period. But that's what he says. You sit there, you got two bad news categories here. The people say, oh, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian. I love Jesus, but you could give a rip about sin, you're a liar. That's not a good sign. You might be fake. right? Number two, I haven't sinned at all. God, so he just can't wait to get me to heaven. You're a liar. In fact, you're calling God a liar. Right? So that's your two bad pieces of news in this one text. Now here's the good news. If you would just what? Stop lying. If you would what? Just confess. Now confess is a really cool word. It's the Greek word hama Lageo, word. Okay, hama Uh, means same it's where you get homosexual same same sex thing right it's same word so when god's asking you to confess your sins it's not telling him something he doesn't know hello he's omniscient he already knows he's just getting you to own up to what he already knows he's trying to get you to say the same thing and what he says about it it's sin he already it's like with the the thing we do with the kids right you kids you catch your kid in the cookie jar that you said don't touch the cookie jar what do they do they only touch it. They sneak down. They put their hand in it and they eat the cookies, right? And they got crumbs all over their lips. You can see the evidence. So what do you do as a parent? You know you're trying to do homo Ligeo. Did you take a cookie from the cookie jar? And what do they say? No. <laughs> as chocolates coming off their mouth. <laughs> right? And you have to keep asking them until what? Homo Ligeo kicks in. Would you just confess? I'm not, I don't hate you. I'm not going to disown you. We need to deal with this. Would you confess it? Okay, so we can fix this. And that's what God's saying. Listen, don't, don't sit there and say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, and, but you give a rip out. No, you're lying. No, oh, I've never sinned at all. I'm, I'm just automatically going to get to heaven. No, 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 now you're calling God a liar. Would you just confess? Okay, he can see it. Okay, just confess. And he didn't say, listen, just confess. Listen, if you would just confess your sins, God is, what's the word? faithful. He's faithful. He's not vengeful in this aspect when you come and confess your sins. No, he's faithful. Faithful to do what? To beat us over a hill with a two by four. He's going to send you straight into hell. If you would just confess your sins, if you would just do that, God is faithful and he's just. And, and he'll what? Not maybe, not might. He'll forgive you of, well, only your sins up until that point. The rest of them, boy, you better keep a sharp eye on it. No, he is faithful and he is just and he will, not maybe not might, he will forgive you of all your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wild? That God is faithful. All you gotta do is just admit, it. he already knows it, just like a heavenly father, parent. Just confess it, would you? He's, he will, he'll do it. Don't you want that as parents, your kids? You don't wanna get in an argument. You just just confess, I love you. I, I want, I want the, the, just do it, come on. Then we can move forward and have a great day. And, That's what God, he's almost like pleading with mankind. Would you stop lying? Come on, I already know it. Just confess. I'm faithful. I'll forgive you. But not until you confess. Okay? Now, that's only half the story, believe it or not. Okay? Because we go, oh, yeah, that's what I did when I got saved. Okay? But folks, again, we sin even after we got saved, Right? You want to prove that point again? Raise your hand. Okay, those who didn't raise your hand, you just did it again. Okay, how many times are we going to do that? Okay. But that's what you got to understand. Listen, this is what blows me away. Is God not only provides for our spiritual needs and forgiveness of our sins, listen, here's the crux of the study. He also provides for our practical needs in spite of our sins. Now let me repeat that again. God not only provides for our spiritual needs and forgiving us of our sins. Amen. Listen, but he also provides for our practical needs even though we continue to sin. Now, you got to flip this around. Stop and think about it. This is, man, you talk about faithful. This is absolutely amazing, right? I mean, think about it. You're you're trying to provide for somebody, and you are providing for somebody, but they keep hurting you. They keep harming you. They keep doing the exact opposite you're asking. I mean, at some point, from man's point of view, what do we do to those people? That's it. I cut you off. I'm done with you. You go take care of yourself. I'm not... How much more than should God? But he's faithful. Oh. Man, he's faithful, and we're going to tear that apart today. The first way that he reveals, the first way that God reveals his faithfulness is he keeps on handing out his provision. Oh, even amidst our sin, this is amazing, right? This is, and in fact, it's a, it's a fantastic promise from Jesus, and this is what we see in Matthew chapter 6. Let's take a look at this. Matthew 6, 25, 26, 28, and 30, Jesus said this. Listen, this is divine permission from God. So I tell you what, don't worry Uh, about everyday life or worry about your life. Now, wait a second. Who's saying this? Jesus, right? I don't know about you guys, but I don't really like worrying. How many guys, when you wake up every day, go, oh, yes, another day to worry. Worry. Bring it on. Worry some more. What else can I do? Bring on, put on a can of worry. Uh, Who loves to worry? Nobody. And so here's, listen, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, says you don't have to ever again. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's like, woohoo! I mean, praise God for salvation. Are you, before I even get to heaven, I don't ever, ever, ever have to worry. And then he breaks it down. He says, whether you have enough food or drink or clothes, typically the practical things that we get worried about. And he says, hey, come on. He says, look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest to put food in barns because your heavenly father feeds them, right? They ain't got a Walmart to go to, they don't have factories, right? God's taking care of them. Why are you worried about? Right? How many guys, when you get up out of bed, besides going, yes, I can't wait to worry, you lift open your window, and you hear those birds out there. And they're out there going, I don't know what you're going to do. What are you talking about Bob, Bob, do you got a good lead on worms today? Because I don't know what I'm talking about. Just... And that's what Jesus is saying. They're not out there freaking out. They know it's going to be there. May not be the same way every time, but God's got, and he takes care of the birds. Isn't he going to take care of you? Birds aren't freaking out. What are you freaking out for? Then he goes down to this. He says, and why are you worried about your clothes? Right? Look at the lilies of the, the field and how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. They don't got shops to go to. And here's the point. He says, and if God cares wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, they use them for fuel. Right? Okay. Won't he more surely take care of Of you, And he says, ye of little faith, or you got so little faith. What? Faith in who? The context is faith in God. Okay? What in the world are you worried about? Now, this blew me away, okay? When I first came across this as a born-again Christian, right? Already saved, already got the sins forgiven, already going to heaven. Whoa! But I got divine permission from God that when it comes to the issue of my daily provision, I may not have all the answers, I may not know the future, but he's got it. He's got it covered. He's promised to take care of me. And if I wake up every time I, and I still do this to this day, every time I see a bird, every time I see a bird, that reminds me, thank you, God, you're going to provide for me. I don't see that bird. (laughs) And then guess what? I don't need to do it either. Might sound goofy, but it works for me. In fact, I had a roommate one time, or I had a guy in Obama college. He had a roommate, several roommates. He was trying to pay for his house. He was going through a, a hard financial situation, and the roommates weren't always timely on their stuff. And and it, it all—it was on him because he owned the house. And he was going through this. And they're Christian. Everybody's supposed to be Christians. You got this weird dynamic going on, whatever. And he was getting all worried, right? And the kids not. And so his only solace was he, he tried to get up in the morning, but there's other people in the house. And he can't really get that quiet time, you know, and all that stuff. And, and so, he was, so he got up extra early just to be all by himself in his own house. And just so he could spend time with the Lord because he's having a hard time. He's trying to be encouraged. whatever. So he gets up super duper early. Well, when you get up really early, what's the birds do in the morning? Birds are up, there active, right? So he's up there in his room trying to beat up his roommates, or not beat them up, but beat them the, from getting up. <laughs> and so he, he would get into, his name was Paul, he would get into the Bible, right? And he's just, just starting to get a little bit of peace going, spend time with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, a woodpecker. There was a goofy woodpecker. Right out his window was a telephone pole, right? And then he was, and he started getting back focused, and you know, he And this kept going every time he got started. And Lord, I just want to thank you for me. Right? And okay, okay. And they got here. <laughs> and he got up the next day, the same goofball bird was there. And the same bird was there. And he just finally, he just, he's going, ah! And like about the third day of this going on, every single time he started, here goes this woodpecker, right? And then finally, God brought this passage to his mind. Listen, why do you think I'm having the woodpecker knockout there? You're worried about your provision. Every time you hear the birds, they're not freaking out. I'll take care of the birds. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. God was sending him a minder. He thought it was an annoyance. Isn't that wild? And that's in essence what Jesus, and, and to me, I don't know why we run from this. This should be some of the best news ever, right? That, hey, I don't have, I'm nully saved, I'm nully forgiven, I'm going to heaven. I don't ever have to worry, but we resist this. Have you noticed that? I don't know about you, but if I don't worry, nothing will get done. Yeah. Or oh, I can't help it; it's a genetic thing. I'm just a worry worrywart, right? Or you? No, no, it's, a, it's an ethnic thing. Oh, you know, Irish people—we're just that's we're worried. We—that's what we do. But we no. Don't make excuses. Receive the good news. You don't have to worry. If we just have faith, ye have little faith, stop that little faith. God is what? He is faithful. If you just have faith in God's faithfulness, just look at the birds of the air. Look at that grass. He takes care of that. Come on. He's, he loves you. He'll take care of you. What are you worried about? How many reminders does he got to give you every day? Okay? But again, you think that also on top of that, that, have you ever thought about this? We naturally trust God for our eternal salvation last time i checked is forever and ever and ever oh oh, on an event that we take his word for that jesus two thousand years ago died on the cross which i wasn't there and you weren't there and don't raise your hand and say you were okay uh i wasn't i didn't see it so i take it by faith that god is true i I personally, I don't know about you, but I, I have no qualms about that. I take God at his word. When he says, you're saved, you're saved forevermore. If you would just confess your sins and come to Jesus, he'll save you. And he'll save you forever. I don't lose a wink of that. I mean, I, I got, that's so locked in. I don't question it. I don't wonder about it. I just can't wait for it. Now, listen, we naturally trust God for our eternal salvation. But then when it comes to his daily provision, I don't know. I don't know. uh, Do you see the irony there? You trust for, uh, but it's crazy. We keep on worrying more and more. Then to make it worse. Now, here's where it's like, wow, you think God would shut us off after this. We have the audacity when he does, because hello, he does provide for us. When he does provide for us, what do we do? We act like it's not good enough. Okay, yeah, yeah, you got me clothes. Yeah, you got me food and. Yeah, whatever. But see, we start whining. We whine because we don't have that newer car. No, no, we don't have that bigger house or that bigger place or no, we don't have that newer job with better circumstances and on and on, and on. goes we whining and, and whining whining whine. I think when one guy says, You want some cheese with that wine? You know, <laughs> we're gonna stop this. And yet God has provided for us. It's not just we reject the good news, you don't have to work. just trust him. But then when he does provide, oh, then we complain about it. In fact, what's really ironic is he's not only watching all this, he can see the crumbs, you know. But in comparison to the rest of the world, do you realize how well God has taken care of our practical needs here? Do you have any idea? Let, let's do that comparison real quick and just get a, a reality check. How rich are we? How well is God taking care of us in the way? Do we really have room to whine? Let's take a look here. Hey, first of all, let's do this experiment. Take out all the furniture in your home except for one table and a couple chairs. Now, use a blanket and pass for beds. Not a bed. That's, that is your bed. That's, and that's all you got for furniture. Now, take away all your clothing except for your oldest dress or suit, shirt or blouse, and leave only one pair of shoes. <laughs> You just heard the oxygen suck it out of the room for certain ladies with it. <laughs> Did you hear it? I thought I heard it. Whoa! Uh, uh, empty the pantry and the refrigerator except for a small bag of flour, some sugar and salt, a few potatoes, some onions, and a dish of dried meat. That's it, that's all you got in the whole house. Right? Okay, and, and dismantle the bathroom, shut off the running water, remove all the electrical wiring in your house, uh, take away the house itself, and move the family into that tool shed you built last week. Remember when we saw that? The, right? okay. And that, that's your house is a shed, and that's you and the family in there. Oh, and, and then place your so-called house, your shed, in the midst of a shantytown. Everybody else has got a bunch of sheds. That's it. Out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and cancel all subscriptions to newspapers, magazines, book clubs, and—and and which is no great loss anyway because none of you can read anyway. Uh, you never even learned to have that privilege, and in fact, leave only one radio—not even a TV, a cell phone, none of that stuff—just one radio for the whole shantytown. Not your own; the whole shed village has to share that one radio. Oh, and then move to the nearest hospital or clinic uh, ten miles away, and you got no doctors, just a midwife, so not even really a specialist. Now, now, throw away all your bank books, your stock certificates, pension plans, your insurance policies. Leave the family a cash hoard of ten dollars. Man, you're my favorite relative. Ten bucks. That's it. That's your inheritance. Woo-wee. Now, here's the point. Give the head of the family a few acres to cultivate on, which you can raise a few hundred dollars of cash crops, of which one-third of that few hundred dollars is going to the landlord, and one-tenth of it's going to the money lenders. That's your source of income. Now, lop off 25 or more years of your life expectancy, because this is really hard on you, right? And here's the point. If you can do that, you will see how right now daily life is for one billion people on our planet. And we whine and complain about anything? God, how come this? How come God? Excuse me? We better wipe those crumbs off our mouth. Wow. The fact that we even have a cookie jar that has cookies in it. Think about that. So it's not just that God says don't worry, and we still worry. And then we trust Him for our eternal destiny, but then we say, oh. But then when He does provide, oh, abundantly isn't that wow hey the folks the facts are god has fulfilled every single day for us exactly what he said in matthew 6 you got a you might got a place to sleep right how many guys got food in your bellies right how many guys got clothes on praise god because that'd be a rough way to pray i just have to preach like this yeah it'd be but okay yeah hello so guess what each one of us should be going, whoa, yeah, God, thank you. You're so faithful. I don't have to worry. Oh, this keeps getting better. Not just the news. I'm going to heaven. I'm rescued from hell. I don't know have to this. This is awesome. Hey, yeah, yeah. Don't you ever give me a cold french fry again, or I will talk to the manager. Are you kidding me? It's getting so bad, each generation is getting worse. If you notice this, it's complaining. You have no idea how good you got it. If you notice that, what's each generation getting in fact, we've seen this before, but we gotta put it now in this context. There's a horrible disease going on. If you know what it's called? It's called affluenza. Teenagers got it bad today. Watch this, this is wild.
1: Deep in the center of the American suburbs lives a 15-year-old girl named Jenny. By all appearances, she's an average, healthy high school student. But at the heart of her tragic story, we find circumstances that are widespread across her peer group around the country. Jenny awakens every morning in her room, alone, upon only a twin-sized bed. Her requests to her parents for a larger, newer bed continue to fall on deaf ears. Even her cries for bed linens with a higher thread count go unanswered. Annie lives with her grandmother and two little sisters in a one-room mud hut that has been badly damaged by storms. She sleeps on a grass mat on the hard dirt floor. There is only one blanket for everyone to share. Sadly, teenagers like Jenny only have an average of $267 to spend per month. That's little more than $65 for an entire week. At breakfast, Jenny usually has to fight with her siblings to get the last Pop-Tart in the pantry. On the day she loses the battle, she is forced to eat cereal and fresh fruit. The drive to school every day creates yet another clash with siblings, this time for the coveted location in the car, known as Shotgun, in the front passenger seat. Even when Jenny is victorious, she finds herself cold as the leather seats of her family's BMW lacks seat warmers. To make matters worse, Jenny's mother makes frequent attempts at carrying on an actual conversation with her daughter, unleashing a barrage of small talk upon Jenny from the driver's seat. Annie and her sisters work in the fields to help their grandmother grow corn for their meals. However, their country is suffering from a four-year drought and this year's crops will not yield enough food to carry them through for another year. In Jenny's closet, one will find a serious lack of brand names sewn into her dozens of shirts, jeans, and dresses. Shockingly, she was even made to choose just one purse from Fendi, Gucci, or Louis Vuitton while at the mall with her mother. Annie and her sisters have two dresses each, and none of their clothes fit them well. They have holes and are threadbare in some places. After a long day of working in the fields, the girls spend their time helping their grandmother repair their dilapidated hut or digging holes in the dry riverbed to fetch water. Finding herself in yet another no-win situation, Ginny does her best to remain brave while choosing between tap water and wholesale bottled water to wet her parched mouth. When Annie and her sisters do find water in the dry riverbeds, It's usually dirty from cows, donkeys, and other animals drinking from the same waterhole. There are also countless bacteria and other microorganisms in the water that could make them very sick.
0: You know what? I agree. We need to do something because this is a serious disease. Go ahead and turn to somebody. Look at somebody. Look, go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say these profound words. What a stinking brat! Can you believe that? Are you kidding me? This is what? You are you kidding me? In comparison, to God is so provided, man. You oh, it's never enough. Can you believe the teenagers these days? And it seems to be getting worse. And you know where I'm going with this. Adults. We do the same thing, don't we? <laughs> oh, they got their things that they want, but guess what? <laughs> We're suffering from affluenza as well. Now, here's my whole point in getting to that. Can you imagine from God's perspective how horrible this is? I mean, I mean think about what's going on there. I mean, how would you feel, man? You're the provider. You're the man of the house, and, and, and you're busting your back, taking care of your family, but nothing is good enough, man. I mean you're working your fingers to the bone and all these people ever do is whine and complain and I don't care what I do, what I give, how I provide it's never enough. If somebody treated you like that and you were the provider, at some point what do you think you'd be tempted to do? You know what? You ungrateful wretch. I'm busting my back, you're just sitting here, okay? And nothing I do, I don't care what I do, how much I try to lavish upon you, nothing is good enough. That's it, I cut you off. Get out of here. Go get your own job. Get your own place. Get your own food. How much more than should God do that to us? He saved us from eternal damnation and hell. He gives us heaven on top. He says, I'm going to provide for you. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? Every day I'm going to give you two reminders because you're going to see them everywhere you go. Birds and flowers. And those are constant reminders. Oh, that's right. I don't have to worry. God's faithful. God is faithful. God will provide. He keeps his word. God is faithful. God is faithful. I don't And then you still whine. Oh, then I still provide for you. And you still. It's never enough. Now, here's the good news. You got to let that sit for a little bit. God's not like us. Amen. He's faithful. And out of faithfulness, he not only forgives us for our sins, hoping you're getting this, he keeps on handing out his provision even in the midst of our sins of being ungrateful, whiny, crybabies. Isn't that mind-blowing? Doesn't that just magnify his love? Oh, it's amazing. He's faithful. God is faithful even when we're not. I hope that doesn't blow, it blows you away, it should. Okay, the second one, he keeps on handing out his protection. He keeps handing out his protection, even though we keep running back into danger, right? Let's take a look at that text there, okay? And he's talking about protection from sin. Sin hurts, sin harms, sin destroys. And as any parent, you don't want your kids harmed, Right? You don't want your spouse harmed. You don't want your family harmed. So, man, you work hard to provide protection. And listen to what God's done for us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But remember that the temptations that come into your life, the temptations to sin into your life, are no different from what others experience. So don't get out there and get this sad sex. They're, oh, for real. No, everybody's tempted. This side of heaven. But God is what? There's your word again. He's faithful, and he will keep that temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it, right? Number one, number two, and when you're tempted, listen, God will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. Isn't that mind-blowing? Now, we've already seen, listen, that God, okay, has given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us Christians the power to say no to any sin. That's why he says you're no longer a slave to sin. Remember that last time? On top of that, God only gives us the ability to truly say no to sin, he says, in fact, every single time you are tempted to sin, I am essence are gonna say, Hey! And miss the temptation, hey, here's the door, take the way out. So on top of it, you don't have to. I've given you the power to do it. You think you naturally want to do it anyway, because he saved you from hell, the penalty of sins. But then on top of that, he says, Oh, and I'm also gonna open the door so you don't have to. It's a, whoa. And again, we should be jumping for joy. <laughs> Sin has no mastery over me. I'm free. Woo! But what do we do? Even though God's given us his spirit to say, no, we don't have to sin. We're no longer slaves. And he just said it. He says, every single time, look for it. It'll be there. See, that's the illusion with the temptation. (gasps) I'm stuck. No, look, because I'll guarantee you every single time there's a door. Take the way out. We keep running back into that thing. Isn't that weird? And again, from his perspective, can you imagine how wild this must be? It's kind of like this story. And this is a true story. I'm not making this one up. This ain't like the can of peas. Listen, several years ago at night, this woman was driving home, and she noticed this huge, big old semi-truck right behind her that was driving right on her tail really uncomfortably close. And so she steps on the gas, right? And she's wanting to get some distance behind from this truck. And so she speeds up, but then the truck sped up too. True story. In fact, the faster she drove, the faster that semi-truck drove too. And so now she starts getting scared, right? And she says, man, she's getting off the freeway. She takes an exit off the freeway. Well, guess what? The truck exited the freeway too, okay? Now she's really getting scared. And the truck's staying right with her. And then she turns up on this main street, trying to get off on a side street to lose the guy and hoping to lose him in traffic somehow. But the truck, listen, ran a red light just to keep continuing to chase her, Right? So now she's really freaking out, and so she whips her car into a service station. She bolts out of the car. True story. She's screaming help, help, help. as she did this. That truck driver Whoa, comes in right there. Listen, he springs from his truck, he runs towards her car, and when he got there, he yanked the back door open, pulled a man hidden in her back seat. As it turned out, true story, the woman was running from the wrong person. From his vantage point in the semi-truck, the truck driver spotted a would-be rapist in the back of her car. And thus, his chase wasn't to harm her. It was to save her, even at the cost of his own safety. Isn't that wild? That is absolutely crazy. She had it all wrong, okay? But here's the whole point in sharing that story, okay? How many guys would say that when all was said and done, she was very grateful, her attitude changed, whoop, that that man chased her down? Right? She had the wrong perspective. Okay? Now, now let's, let's change that story a little bit and see if we can understand what, from God's perspective when we don't take the way out. Maybe it goes like this. Imagine that lady, same story. She, first of all, she knew there was a rapist in the backseat. Okay? She knew there was. Number two, she wanted the rapist to be in the backseat. Number two, she refused to be rescued from the rapist in her backseat, even though people tried. In fact, not only that, she did this same procedure again and again and again, day after day after day after day after day. And At some point, what are you going to say? With all due respect, ooh, lady, I don't know what's wrong with you, but that's some weird behavior. And yet you choose to not be rescued and you choose to do that. Have you ever thought about if this is not maybe a little way that God sees what we do when we choose to not be rescued from sin God's provided a way out every time Christian, this is what this text is saying God's not only given us the ability to say no to sin right I don't have to be overcome but every time when sin begins to chase you down or is hidden in your back seat God chases us right down to right there with us in that experience and he says hey what come on i got this for you every single time and we say no i want this experience i mean if that was you what would you do after the first few times of going through this routine I'm just trying to help you out, man. I mean, there's a danger in your back seat. And man, you just, you get mad at me. You don't listen to me. Or you, you want it there. You, you, you. you know what? I'm just wiping my hands at this. I'm moving on. I'm going to help somebody else out. Then how much more should God do that to us? He said it. I didn't. He's given us the power to say no to sin. And every time we're chased down, Look, at, look for it. I'm here. I'm with you in the experience. You don't have to. I'm, I'm here to rescue you. Just take the way out. And we don't. And we do it again this day. And we do it again this day. And then we do it again this day. And I'm still in the same day. And then, let us sit. Here's the good news. God's not like us. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Praise God he's not like us. Oh, man. God is faithful is what the scripture says. And out of faithfulness, he not only forgives us of our sins, but he keeps on handing out protection. Listen, I don't care if we said no a 100,000 times to him rescuing us from the danger in the backseat with temptation. Here comes another one. He still chases us down, and he still opens that door. Are you you ready to take the way out now? Isn't that mind blowing? Oh, and he'll do it until the day he takes us to heaven. That's amazing. That's wonderful. One more, real quick. Okay, the faithfulness of God. Hey, man, even after we sin, he keeps hearing our prayers. Now, I need to clear up real quick a a misnomer there. God hears our prayers. He hears all of our prayers. Did you realize that God is omniscient? He knows all things. He's also omnipresent. He's everywhere. So he's not like in heaven going, I can't hear you. He hears our prayers. It's one of those christian phrases. Well, God didn't answer that prayer. No, God answers all prayers because he hears everything. He's everywhere at all times. He's omnipresent, right? It's just he either says yes, no, or not now. In the yeses, we go, hey, God answered that prayer. No, he answers all prayers. It's just usually in the no's or the not now's, we say, oh, he didn't answer my prayers. No, so I need to clarify that. God answers all of our prayers, okay? But the fact that he still wants us to spend time with him even after we choose sin instead... It's mind-blowing, okay? And that's why Paul says, listen, this should be a way of life. Spending time talking with God just like you do with somebody else you love, it's natural. should be the same thing with God. Romans chapter 12, 11 through 12. Never be what? Lazy in your work, but serve the Lord begrudgingly. Are you kidding me? They just asked me last week to stack chairs. They're doing it again. (laughs) No, enthusiastically because it's a privilege to serve God. But that's for a whole nother sermon. Be glad for all that God's planning for you, right? He's good, He's good, and he works all things together for good. This is great. I don't have to worry. I keep seeing these birds everywhere and the flowers. I got all these constant reminders. Even when I blow it, he's still going to provide a way out. Man, life is good. Be patient in trouble. And how, what? When you get around to it? Depending on your calendar. Hopefully that show doesn't last too late at night. Always. Be prayerful always always be prayerful when it comes to the issue of daily prayers god not only says it's something good to do it's something we should always do because as we all know prayer is one of the most religious experiences we could ever have and then when we begin to pray we need to lower our voice like this and then we need to become spiritual from england oh lord because those are the only prayers that he hears that's the only way to... No! Prayer is just simply talking to God. It's natural. It's spontaneous. I, I don't sit here and rehearse the speech to John. Hey, John, hold on, John, just a second. I've got to whip out my thing. Step one, when I talk to John, I need to first say, I adore you. John, I adore you. You're a great guy. You're so wonderful on that pew in the second row. You're, you're, you're faithful, John. You're faithful. You always sit in the same spot every week, and they're uh, <laughs> confessed. John, hey, I may not be the best pastor in the world. I'm glad you put up with me, but let me confess to you that... Uh, John, could you help me out with this? You know, I'm doing, yeah. And we do that with God. What? It's just natural communication, just from your heart. We get all this fluff. No wonder people don't want to pray, because that's been our examples. No, man, it's exciting. Every day we get up, we get to talk good, bad, ugly, day good, day not good, just our heart, just enjoy what you like, anything. To who? The creator of the universe always be prayerful always enjoy that intimacy that fellowship that communication with god whoa thank you god for sending that woodpecker almost got off track thank you god for opening the car door whoo that was close almost got me but you did it again you provided a way out always be prayerful god didn't go through the trouble of sending his one and only son jesus to die a gruesome death on the cross and receive the punishment for all of our sins to have a one-sided relationship. Do you realize that? The Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. What's the joy? The joy was the reality of having a two-sided relationship with us. His bride, the church. That's true Christianity. And again, you would think that, man, somebody who's been saved from eternal damnation hell would naturally want to talk to that person who helped them, save them. It's just natural. I don't have to. But who wouldn't want to? Here's what I notice. Even though God calls to us, and this is just one scripture. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to talk with us. He, He wants to communicate with us through his word. He wants us to verbalize to him. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you, I believe James says. And we just saw here in Romans, always be prayerful. Always keep that. Oh, we... And God saved us, and He's so faithful. He's given us heaven. He saved us from hell, and He's so good. He's only got good plans for. We talk to God less than we do to anybody else. Have you noticed that? What's happened? What has happened? We talk to Him. In fact, people say, "Well, here's here's the biggest one. You heard this one? I'm sure it's nobody here. It's that weird church down south, wherever that church is." I just don't have the time. (laughs) Really? Let's take a look at this stat again. If we were to live 75 years, here's what the average person does with their time. All right, here we go Uh, 23 years is spent sleeping. That's 31% of your life. Can you believe that? I am convinced now, as an adult and a responsible adult, that the 19 years of that occurred during the teenage years, okay, personally. Uh, (laughs) I can get much sleep now. But anyway, whatever. But one-third of your life is just spent sleeping, right? That's what you do through time. Nineteen years of your life, 25%. One-fourth of your life is working. Uh, Nine years is spent on just amusing ourselves with TV, other things, movies, you name it. Twelve percent of our life just doing that stuff, right? Seven and a half years in dressing and personal care. Ten percent of your life is just getting ready. Okay, listen to this one. Six years is spent eating, Okay. Maybe more here in Vegas. They got some really good buffets. Uh, but anyway, six years traveling, just driving. Right? You're spending eight percent of your life just driving. Maybe a little bit more if you're doing a, a budget truck or something like that. Uh, and then, uh-oh. Remember the excuse? I don't have time. If you live 75 years, on average today, one half of a year worshiping and praying to God. That's not even one percent point zero seven percent. But we don't have time. Oh, oh did, did I mention again that God sees everything? The crumbs? We don't have time. God's not only getting the short end of the stick, but can you imagine again from his perspective how much this must grieve him? Did you know we can grieve God? The Bible says we can grieve the Holy Spirit, who is God. But, but, but if you can't, let, let me see if I can bring it back around with another dog lesson. Remember that we did dog lesson last time? Right, let me continue with that theme, right? Uh, because dogs, dogs are, once again, they're cool. Dogs naturally want to spend time with you. Again, if you've got a cat, with all due respect, get rid of it. Get the cat thing out of your head. Cats don't want to spend time with you. Cats are aloof. Uh, they think that they are deities. Serve me. I exist to be served. They don't come to you. They don't, right, right? You don't take a cat on a leash. They don't want to follow you. They don't want to. In fact, if you try that, you take a cat for a drag. That's really what you're doing. Okay. I'm not recommending that, by the way. But anyway, so just get the cat thing out of your head. Dogs are awesome. Dogs love to hang around us. Have you noticed that? In fact, dogs are faithful too, man. They are faithful and they'll still wanna hang around with you even, even when we tease them. Have you noticed that? We tease our dogs, and they, but they still keep coming back for more. In fact, watch what this guy did to his dog. This is a, mm, this is wild.
2: Food, you know, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I went to the fridge and I opened up the meat drawer. You know what the meat drawer is, right?
0: Yeah, what was in there? Well,
2: I'll tell you what was in there. You know that bacon? that's, like, maple. It's got maple flavor. The maple kind, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah? I took that out, and I thought, yeah, I know who would like that. Me! So I ate it. Oh! No. You're kidding me. Nope. Not kidding. You know, I also noticed there was some beef in there. Yeah, you know. Steak. You know, juicy. Well, I ate that, too. Oh. But I went back to the fridge just a few minutes ago, and I put something together really special. You're gonna love this one. I took some chicken. I put some some cheese on it. And I covered it with... Covered it with what? covered it with cat treats. Then guess what? What? I gave it to the cat.
0: Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man! That's doubly wrong, man. Gave it to the cat. But then again, it was chicken, so maybe that's why he was giving it to the cat, to get rid of the cat. So, I don't know. But, but here's the point. We tease our dogs, right? But dogs, it doesn't matter what you do. You tease, you make fun of them, you have them do weird stuff, right? And they keep coming back for more. They naturally want to spend time with you. In fact, I had this happen uh, when I was pastoring in uh, uh, California. And uh, our first uh, set of wiener dogs, the Sammy and Susie show, the, the female uh, she, believe it or not, God used her to teach me a profound lesson, okay, and I was sitting, there, I was working at my laptop in my bedroom, I had the bedroom door closed, because I needed some privacy, right, and, uh, they're in the parsonage, and I'm, I'm working with my laptop, well, she knew that I was in that room, okay, so I kid you not, she comes up, and she's at the door, if you know wiener dogs, they got big, I call them meat claws, and they're built for digging, and so she's there, she's at that, at the door, and I, I'm, and she's, she's scratching, right, and I, she's scratching. And so I'm sitting there. I'm a guy. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll do you. She's going to stop. You know, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. And she wouldn't stop. And so I'm doing my thing on the laptop. She's going And so we're going like that. And like, I'm not joking. She didn't pause. No pun intended. She didn't pause, okay? And she just kept going and going and going. I'm not joking. It was in, and I'm a guy, so we're competitive. Oh, yeah? I'll oh, do you. Right, we're doing this back and forth. Five minutes later, I'm not joking. She didn't take a break or nothing. All right. So I got out of bed. I kid you not. Open the door, and she so she's happy, and we had a water bed at the time. So she jumped up on the waterbed. I get in the bed. I put the laptop, get ready, and she comes right where she wanted to be the whole time. Just always had to be right beside me. Just sit there and got her little head on me. She's like, <laughs> right? She got what she wanted. I'm not saying I heard a voice from God or any of that stuff, but I sat there, and all of a sudden, I just get back on my laptop. She's all content and happy. And I kid you not, the phrase went through my head. Is that your attitude in spending time with God? Are we that persistent, Christian? I got to spend time with God. Everything, get out of the way, man. And I'm not going to stop. I'm going to find this time. I got to spend time. I'm going to... S- man, I got convicted to the core by my weird dog. And then it dawned on me. I sat there and I was convicted. I said, man, we don't even love God like a wiener dog loves a man after all he's done. In fact, dogs, not only are affectionate, they want to spend time with you and they're persistent. Dogs are loyal to their master. Like this one, this is a true story. Watch this.
2: At a hospital in southwestern Siberia, a loyal dog named Masha has appeared every day for two years looking for her owner. Masha's owner passed away last year after being taken to the hospital two years ago. And ever since then, the dog has shown up every day. Staff members at the hospital reportedly feed the dog and make sure she has somewhere warm to sleep. One family tried to adopt the dog, but Masha ran away and came back to the hospital hours later. When the owner was still alive and being treated at the hospital, Masha was his only visitor. One of the doctors from the hospital is quoted as saying, You see her eyes. How sad they are. It's not the usual shiny eyes for when a dog is happy. You can see this in animals in the same way as with people
0: question though was it is that the same with people christian people here's a dog showing up every day at the hospital just to spend time with their master because that's the last place the dog doesn't know the last place the master was not just for one day and gave up two years and then when god says always be prayerful Draw me near to me. I'll draw near to you. Talk with me. Cast your anxieties upon me. I'll take care of you. Just come. Fellowship. Talk. Let's meet. We can't even give them 1% of our life. Wow. Now you put it in perspective as we close. Imagine if somebody saved you as an adult from certain death. But in order for you to be saved, in, in that mix, their own child died in the process. But at least you were saved. Now, imagine you refusing to talk to that person. Imagine which that person, hey, listen, listen, I, I just don't have the time to talk to you. I mean, I, I'm sorry your child died in the process, you know, but I, and I'm glad you saved me. You didn't have to. I just, I just, I don't have time right now. Or here's one. I don't know how to talk to you. How about thank you. I love you for what you did. Wow. No script in that. Wow. After all that God's done for us. And he gave us his child, Jesus. He did die for us. And we say we ain't got time for him. I don't know how to talk to him. And yet, here's a dog who is that persistent. What should God do with us? What would we do if that was us? You ungrateful. You ungrateful. No matter what I do, no matter how I provide, you hungry, how dare you say? Here's the good news. God's not like us. Oh, 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 oh. It doesn't now. Here comes, the, here comes the syrup. God is not like us. Praise God he's not like us. The scripture says God is faithful, and he's faithful to forgive us of our sins. And listen, he keeps on providing for us in spite of our sins. He keeps on protecting us in spite of our sins. He continues to invite us in prayer in spite of our sins of even saying, I ain't got no time for you. Every day we get up, God says, how about now? How about now? How about today? This morning, this afternoon, you got a little, how about tonight before you go to bed? How, how, how about now? Oh, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And that's why, a Christian, if we can't seem to appreciate the love of God, I hope after our study, because we still got another one to go, a couple more to go, when we say the love of God or God is love, we Pause and begin to understand what we just said in its totality. Because when you really begin to grasp this, nobody should have to twist your arm, pull your teeth, guilt you into spending time with him, talking with him, being a witness for him. It's natural. It's loving. And that's what he wants. Amen? Let's be that church. Let's be those people who truly appreciate the love of God. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.